Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Another week with the Paula Price Show. Have mercy. Have mercy. <laughs> have mercy. Have what? Mercy. Okay. Um, but you know, I'm going to tell you something. I am excited about today, Ashley. Today is going to be a great day, and we're going to have a hot time in the Holy Ghost. Woo. Let me get some coffee so I can Uh-oh. finish my morning coffee. Sipping. You know, just in case you all didn't know what the second cup was, that's the second cup of coffee I didn't have time to get before the show. So I'm catching up, keeping my caffeine levels up. Very good. Well, we have to do that. I'm excited about today's show. I want to tell you right now, before we, well, is everybody on? I want to make sure that everybody on is not yet. Are you coming on the Facebook people? Family. Meanwhile, I'll give a, give a nice hearty welcome to my Blog Talk Radio family. Because you know, Blog Talk, you're number one. Because you are the one that started it all, kicked it off when there was no Facebook Live and all of the other stuff, the periscopes and whatnot. Now, let me tell you, we're not doing periscopes anymore. Everybody, write this down in the note section of your calendar. Dr. Price is not doing periscope anymore. We are now doing Facebook Live and YouTube. I'm working on getting, hopefully one day, getting all of my YouTubes into one place. Maybe the YouTube people will listen to me because this is a voice crying in the real wilderness. I'm in the galactic wilderness, you know, tribal wilderness. So I just want you to know, make sure you tell everybody, YouTube, everything, YouTube, Facebook Live, YouTube. You can find all that you need. Today, you're going to love this. I say L-O-V-E. If you are remotely prophetic, if you are remotely apostolic, if you are remotely saved, if you're marginally unsaved, you will love this today because today Jesus is going after something. And I just want you to know I am a representative of Jesus Christ. Now, I've been told that that makes me too strict, too narrow, I don't really care, because somebody has to hold up our king. Somebody has to be on the Lord's side. You know, Moses had that whole challenge, and he said, you know, after uh, God's people had gotten all mixed up with Baal Peor, the Midian women, and all of the demonics and ritual worship from carrying on, Moses said, who is on the Lord's side? Let them come to me. Now, you know, back then as it is now, you know, until God started breaking out and cutting up, everybody was like, Moses, that's just your thing. That's how you see it, whatever. But when God started breaking up, everybody wanted to find out who could calm him down, you know. And, and if you're not on God's side, you can't calm him down. You can't back him down. You can't slow him down. You can't appease him. He doesn't even want your sacrifices, your praise, your songs, your offerings because God's a person. We don't like to... Um, we don't hear that enough. God is a person. We are made in his image and likeness. We are not remaking him into ours. We are made in God's image and likeness. So now, 
I don't want to get off before I tell you. Everybody on this right now, say Dr. Price is getting ready to talk about demonic portals, and you need to know. Share, 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 share. Share some more, and then share it again. And then when it's halfway through it, share some more. And have, because then I'm going to tell everybody that you shared it with to also share it because we have an assignment from the Holy Ghost. The Lord Jesus Christ is giving us an assignment that we must do for him for our own sake. I love you. We got to do it for Jesus for our own sake. I love that. <laughs> yeah, but for your sake. So we have share and share, share. If you are a, the head of a prophetic apostolic network, intercessor, spiritual warfare, you want to stay with me, you want to share. If not, make sure you put it in your calendar to, ooh, hallelujah, share it again, to listen again. So if you're a pastor, if you're a, especially if you are a pastor in a church that is located in a place of crime and warfare and gang life, etc., you want to have your people listen to this, you want to share. Are you all sharing? Come on, Dr. Price is encouraging you. Share this is powerful stuff. I've been in, with the Lord Jesus a lot of years, and most of my testimony doesn't come out because I never wanted to sensationalize what he used me to do and the things that he shared with me. And I never wanted to, you know, because sometimes, now I don't, I'm going to get to live long enough, you don't care. But there was a time that I would say, well, you know, I don't want him to think that I'm just showing off because God is showing off with me and powerful things are happening and I'm doing all of these awesome things. I wanted to very much play it low-key and make sure people were in the Bible. I still feel that way, but, you know, crazy things have happened and crazier things are on the horizon. And you all need to know that there is somebody who is watching it, someone that God is talking to, someone who has some of the answers. Now, I don't think I'm the only one. I'm looking for my rest of my relatives, my peers, my colleagues, my collaborators, but right now, I don't have those. You know, the criticisms have been what they are. So first thing I'm going to tell you is now that you shared, all of you all put up, if you all are part of my organization, put up how to sow a seed because you're going to want to sow after this. You want to sow through this. So all of you out there who are my watchmen on the wall and my security team and my guards, put it up, how to sow a seed. Prophet Ashley, while you are just looking all lovely this morning, tell them. How to sew a seed? Yes. I can sew uh, through a variety of ways. The most direct, one of the most direct ways is to go to www.drpaulaaprice.com. On the homepage, you will find a handy-dandy link that will take you to sewing. If you have PayPal, paypal.me. Dr. Paula Price, Dr. Paula Price, and Cash App. She's also Dr. Paula Price, Dr. Ah, and did you get it, Cash? Did we get the PayPal? I did. I missed the PayPal because you know, I'm 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 pulling up my scriptures. Get your Bible, or you know, I'm putting on your device because most of us know we. You know, one of the things we can thank Facebook and technology for is that we no longer have to get yelled at on our jobs having our Bibles on our desk. We now have them on our devices. We are not ignorant of his devices. <laughs> I couldn't. I, but you know, every now and then, 
I just have to be the me he made. Now, God, I want to get this scripture right because we have played with this a long time. And I'm thanking God for what he's done. And so I want us to go to Ephesians 6. You know, this, you know I have this one, one, vibe, one translation that's going to give you the list of the 10 at a time. I really wish they would grow up. But anyhow, we're going to go to Ephesians 6, and then we're going to go back to the one I want. Ephesians 6, we all know Ephesians 6. We've heard it preached all kinds of ways, the whole arm of God. I am not going that direction, but I want to lay this out, Ephesians 6, 12, as a foundation. The 10th verse says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, this is your Bible. It is your um, a device. Highlight wiles of the devil. Because, you know, the way it's told, the devil's not mentioned in the Old Testament, but I'm going to find them for you. How would you like that? Okay? And then the reason he's telling you to put on your whole armor of God, that means put on your kingdom body wear. Okay? You have a, a, a God had armor before we figured it out because God had war before we were born. This, that, see, these connections must be made for you to appreciate what God is doing. So God is saying, put on the whole armor of God. Well, he doesn't want you to go to the Army Navy surplus store and pick up some leftovers. He has an armor that he's always used and that won the battle for him in heaven, according to Revelation 12. So now the battle has come to earth. Share, share, share. For we wrestle, wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against power, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, one of the things that I have just come to terms with is that as an apostle, you become, I have become God's portal. Didn't know that. I'm telling you, I didn't know it. So you, I told you you want to share and you want to lean in because this is going there. I didn't know, even though I was not psychologically aware of it or consciously aware of it, it was working anyway. Because God has his way, and his way is the right way. He doesn't need an alternative. He doesn't need a default. So why do you say that? Well, if you take your Bible and you go to John 151, which is almost, almost a New Testament version of Genesis 28, you're going to find, I'm going to put it in here. Will you let me put it in? I need to put it in because it's important to go quickly rather than rattling pages. So I want you to go. Um, I want them to get this. This is important because there's a mandate coming out of this for you. A mandate. And I want you to have this mandate. So if you go to John 151, I love this passage because this is when God began to talk about why the church comes under attack, 
and where we have failed the Lord Jesus Christ, even if unintentionally. Because many of us, our heart loved him. We just trusted people who didn't love him as much as we did. John 151 said, read, and he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter ye shall see heaven open. Come on, highlight it on your device. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. I got to hit something. Hold on. It's flat time. Early in the day. Because if you read that slowly to yourself, and might I suggest that you read it when you're home aloud at least 10 times. Because the more you read it, the more the reality of the, what Jesus did and why Jesus is a problem today and why they want to disconnect you from him is crystallized for you, clarified, because you have to understand we are the, you know, the Bible says a bitter thing for a nation to change its God. And it says every man walks or every person walks in the name of their God. You believe people without finding out what God they're walking in. You take a doctrine and never ask what who gave the doctrine? Was it a seducing spirit? Was it the doctrine of devil? But the apostles of God who are standing faithful in Jesus Christ, and I am convinced that there are thousands and thousands and thousands of them around the world, these people, they understand the importance of not only Matthew 28, 18 to 20, which is the Great Commission, but they also thoroughly counterbalance it with not Mark 16 only, but with Acts 26, 18, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. The apostle's job is to turn you from the power of Satan to God. And if you have satanic philosophies, ideologies, theologies, beliefs, practices, and habits, then you have not been with the apostle who understands the true commission. I just, you know, I got the rest. Now, the 11 got Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Now, I want you to see, they are talking about the portal. I want you to see the, 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 the uh, correlations of the two. I'm in my teaching mode now. This is the professor. And I want you to understand we're going somewhere. Hit your button for share, 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 and share again. Because this is going to break you free. If you are a true prophet, and if you are a true apostle, if you are a true pastor, true five-folder, then this is going to set some things right. Our job is to set an order. And we took set an order to mean go from church to church to reorganize how churches were being run. That's not wrong. That wasn't the priority. But we are to set in order the God side, the, the, with the, the God context and the class we have going on. We are to insert Jesus Christ and assert him at the top. So we go. Acts 2618, 26, forgive me. I quote it everywhere. You're going to hear me quote it a hundred times. It is an apostle's mandate. 
It is an apostle's obligation to the Almighty. It is an apostle's really message, permission. God, the 11, Matthew 28, 18, God, Jesus said it to the 11, resurrected Jesus Christ. He said to the 11, he had not yet returned home permanently. And he said to them, go make disciples of all nations. People say go teach, but a disciple is discipline. See, teaching educates. But literally, discipleship transforms because people don't just take the, the knowledge. See, that's, a, that's slam one on the Bible. Slam one. Because, they said, well, they were really talking about the disciples. No, a disciple is more than a teacher. You realize that people go to universities all the time, get taught, and never use that information again. They don't use it. They don't follow it. It doesn't do anything. Most of them say, I've studied it to get my grade and dumped it. But that's not what we mean. Yeah, but your listeners don't know that. Your listeners are living a different experience. So they say teach. Christ said disciple. Why? Because he did not. Why would he say teach and teach? 18 teach, 19 teach. Why would he say that? No, he meant disciple. And I'm talking to my prophets and apostles because God starts everything with a prophet and he says everything in order with the apostles. So disciple, write it in your Bible. I don't care what the translation said. Most of those translations were not even remotely aware of your existence, let alone your, your legitimacy. So you, should, you ought not to be just settling for some charismatic, evangelical, fundamentalist commentary. You have got to know we are the offering mantles of Scripture. We are the offering mantles of Scripture. Before, we, we talk about um, people being locked in church. Well, you know, all you talk about is Jesus, and all you talk about apostles and prophets. Do you realize the entire A.D. world is based on a prophet and an apostle? The entire A.D. age is based on apostles and prophets. Let it be so. The entire. So you all are walking around talking about, well, we're going to skip secular and get over to uh, uh, skip sacred and get over to secular. You, it was a prophet. I love this scripture. Boy, I love this thing. You know, you can hear me. I'm excited and God, I'm fired up. And you know why? Because they keep trying to talk me out of it and I'm going nowhere. They made the devil is going to get me off this. Trust me in this matter. And when I, when I hear it, I go to God and God said, stop listening to Satan's narrative. Stop letting him write your script because the more you quote Satan's script, the less Jesus Christ is going to be lifted up in the planet. You are letting this devil talk you out of lifting up the God you claim to want to spend eternity with. He's not going to write my script. He's not going to write my narrative. And I do believe that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. And it's the Lord that called me, not the one that is deceiving the nations. God says over and over again, Satan deceives the nations, which is why Matthew 28, 18 and 20 happened, because the nations were deceived. And when he goes into his, his temporary prison again, because, you know, he's going to be incarcerated for a little bit again, and then he's going to come out in the Revelation. He said he comes out to deceive the nation. 
It's so important to me that you get this, to deceive the nations. And then what is the end? That he should deceive the nations no more. So when, he, when God said, Matthew 28, 18, go make disciples of all nations. He was dealing with the fact that he was finally the way, the truth, and the light that would give them power and armament against the deception that they think is the norm. And God was reformatting the norm, reformulating it. He said, baptizing them. How do you baptize a nation? Do we just tell everybody that let's all go down to the water? No, you immerse them in the new discipline, a variant of the word disciple. He said, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them. See, the baptism is in the teaching. So God expects apostles to be immersive. Very immersive. We're more than intensive. The prophets could be intensive. Because, you know, they, they move another prophet. But the immersion came from the apostles. See, because we had the law, we were instructed in the law. But now God wants to immerse these nations in the life of Jesus Christ. And he did it. He succeeded. He really did it, which is why... Why are we fussing about Christianity today if Jesus failed? Why are we fussing about Christians today if Jesus failed? Clearly, he did it. He baptized the nations into his son. He then raised up from the writings that he had and the messages that were going forth, apostles and prophets who took his son to the nations so persuasively, so attractively, so appealingly that they they became Christian. The world, now you have people in those nations who didn't want Jesus Christ, but that didn't matter. He took them at the head. So the 11 who are Jews, come on, Jews sent to the Jews at that time, he said, go disciple nation. So the 11 were, were, were sent out, not just to do, but they were sent out to disciple nations. That means to impose the eternal discipline of everlasting life on nations. How do they do that a lot today? I'm on fire. Say they both. And so, now that's that. Now, but to the one who is going to the nation. To the one who was going to the Gentiles, who had no history or record or reference in Israel's God, thus Israel's Messiah was foreign to them. So Jesus came to the planet as Israel's Messiah, but he sent Paul to notify the world that what he promised Abraham was happening. And he's the Messiah of the world. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. These are the doctrines. Now, I'm going to keep teaching this, and if, it, if, if, if all it does is causes me to record it for the future, I'm going to thank God. But if Jesus wants it to go to every nation, and he wants everybody to hear the doctrine and the gospel of this kingdom, because this is kingdom doctrine. How do you have a kingdom doctrine and eliminate the king? 
That is ridiculous. We don't talk about the king. I mean, I preach the kingdom. How can you? The kingdom sends you because you don't want to mention him. This is the doctrine. And if this is what Jesus wants, you can mark my words. You can write it down and put it in bold engraving. This doctrine and this mouth will be heard around the world. And it will be accepted because this is what Jesus wants. Because he said, I have much people in this generation. He is not preaching this gospel just for the sinner. He's also pre- preaching it for the naive and unaware saints. There are a lot of Christians who, are, who know there's more than this. There should be better than this. So Peter and the 11 get Matthew 28, 18. Paul, I mean, yeah, Paul gets Acts 26, 18. Interesting about 18. Anyway. Paul gets Acts 26, 18. Now, why does he get a, a, a seemingly different commission? Because he's going to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles are all owned by Satan. Because all their gods, their polytheistic ways, their paganism, their naturism, all of that is normal. They're born into that. And so the Gentiles have been divvied up by all of the fallen angels. And in that divvying, each one inhabited a progenitor that reproduced its spirit. He didn't say go to all countries. He said all nations at that time because country was irrelevant. And you know why? Because there was no constitution. The kings were kings. The emperors were emperors. The law was the people. The law was the sitting person or power on the throne. So here we go. This is getting good. Are you getting blessed? So Paul gets, I get my scriptures right. Paul gets Acts 26, 18. And Jesus says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuted. I'm the God. You got a problem with me. You're killing my people because you have a problem with their God. He says, so I'm their God. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the reason why they're going to do what they do. And they are willing to lay their lives down for me because I've shown them something no other God can do, and that is an eternal life that is attainable, that is real and compatible with their makeup. So he says, but I've appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister. And a mentor, and a mentor. He said to send you to the Jews and the Gentiles. He knew the Jews were going to kick him out. Because they, I mean, come on, they're very, you know, nationalistic. He said, but I want, I want them to hear all that you have gotten because you are so highly educated. I can, you can break this thing down for them from my world to this one. Now, I'm, I'm not, the other apostles were educated by Jesus Christ, and yet with all 11 of them, not one of them had the academic power and the academic reach uh-huh, to handle the cerebral, the cerebral things in God's world and his doctrine. Paul did. So Paul's base education and his achievement and his attainment, that thing, oh, hallelujah. He said, that man, he said, now you can take that base education and I'm going to bring you into my doctrine, bring you into my world and, and fill in the blanks. And when I fill in the blanks, 
you will convert the nations for me. See, because the rest of them, they have Bible knowledge. They have home training. You know, they have what your kids would have if you didn't send them to school or send them to college. They had that. But what they didn't have was that, that superlative reach and acuity that it takes to split an atom, to split a hair, to bridge the natural and the spiritual. Paul had that. And so Paul could set up divine order because Paul was already in government. Come on, somebody. See, none of them were in government. They were businessmen. They were entrepreneurs. They were fishermen. And it doesn't make a difference what they were because, frankly, they did what the popular commerce of the day was, and certainly people needed to eat. But not Paul. Paul was not a fisherman. That's why he said, Jesus said to them, I'll make you fishers of men. And he says to Paul, I'm going to make you a converter of Satan's kingdom. Very different. Now, that, that's not diminishing one or the other. But, but Paul, he pulled Paul out of the headship and the government of his own nation that he had raised up and said, now that was the version. This is the human version. So let me give you the divine version. And the divine version ends up being Acts 26, 18. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Do you realize as satanic and pagan and as cultist as this church is today, that one particular mandate, commission, didn't happen. We okayed them returning from the light to the darkness. We okayed them returning from God to Satan. We okayed them to reject the life and the salvation of Jesus Christ. We okayed them giving up and surrendering their inheritance like Esau did. We, that's what happened. You cannot say, well, that's not what we did. If, 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 if you can say all day long, I'm planting pears. When, when it grows and you got apples, you can still say, no, but I planted pears. And all we're going to say is, you thought you planted a pear, and here we are with an orchard of apples. So it's important. I wanted to lay that foundation. It's, I mean, this is crystal stuff. So you understand how to measure an apostle by the, the extent and degree of satanic teachings, cultures, and doctrines you feel compelled to throw off. So if you feel comfortable still representing Satan in the church, in Christ, as a Christian, you need to know, you need to really understand that you have never, ever been converted to Jesus Christ. Because the one thing God is going to make you feel is uncomfortable standing in his presence with his adversary's attire on. If you feel comfortable with that, and don't come give me that love stuff, because I told you, that's a Cupid love. That's not a Jesus love. A lot of, that's why the love of Christ that we see today is all full of sexuality, immorality, adultery, and uncleanness. Why is that? Because it's Cupid. It's Cupid love. That's why y'all can't wait for February 14th, so y'all can really give Cupid his due. 
You treat Cupid better on Valentine's Day than you treat Jesus on Christmas, but yet you love him. See, but this is not your fault. This is not presented as your fault. This is just presented as your issue. And you need to know the difference. It's your issue. The issue is that today. That's what God is dealing with. So I talked to you about the portal. So let's get going with the portal. We already read, already read to you. Um, the whole, uh, Ephesians six twelve. I already read that to you. And now you almost understand the wiles of the devil who has spiritual, look at this, spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places. High places doesn't just mean heaven. It also means the high places of your land. See, let's go back to Genesis 6. But see, when you are educated in God, you can read this thing and understand how God shattered. We like, well, you know, they just fractured the No, 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 they didn't. God shattered that unity so that people would have to seek it by effort and faith. So let's go back to Genesis 6. Sons of God saw the daughters of men. And they came down and they married them. And when they married them, what did they become? They said they became the mighty men or the renowned men of old. That means they became the authors of the high places in government and in those seven mountains of seers we talk about. They founded them. And they, they, they founded them. When I say founded them, they founded them in their respective regions. Now, Cain initiated it. Because remember, Cain built a city. Out of that city, we got Brother Nimrod. But he built a city for paganism. Why do you think the pagans think the world is theirs? Because you won't accept the fact that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. You're so caught up in the angels that came down and slept with women and had children and whatnot, you don't realize that the God of all creation came down, didn't use them, didn't sleep with a woman, and got a pregnant. I love this. Hallelujah. Still got, and still got offspring, offspring, John, who were born not of the flesh, nor of the will of flesh, but of God. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be nice if we heard it sometime? So Jesus goes and he does all of that without, without any sexual contact at all. Doesn't need it because he's doing it the same way he did it in the beginning in Genesis. God said, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. He didn't say, hey, wife, get over here and do your duty. He didn't say that. He said, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. And then the next verse, and God made man. And more rightfully, and the Godhead made man. Because us is Godhead. So he went on and he did it. Now, Satan has to come down and be brutal. He's got to come down and rape. He's got to come down, plunder, and pillage because he has no legitimate access. Criminals are criminals because they want something that they do not have any legitimate access or right to. That's what criminal means. Criminal means I'm taking it even though I don't have a right. I'm taking it even though I don't have um, the ownership of it. I don't have license, to, but I want it. And so he did it. He brought that brutality from his realm to earth. Portals hit around. So there was no closed portal. Huh. Are you flowing with me? Are they flowing with me? So you have to recognize that. So here we go. Because you have to see how we got where we got today. So we've done that. Now we've gotten that done. So let's talk now shifting from that. So they established that they became.
became the mighty men of old, which is why God had the flood. He had to kill them. He had to kill the bodies that they were in and arrest those, that set of angels of what's waiting in the bottomless pit for God in time. So they're, uh, they're under arrest. Peter said they're under chains and arrest. Jude says they're under arrest. Let me tell you something. It, it, it's too many times, but we don't have anybody telling you this story. You sit here and listen to a venture story like it's the gospel, and I'm telling you what's here. You ought to be ashamed of yourself, giving Satan more power and respect and reverence than you give Jesus Christ, who saved your soul. Shame on you. Standing up in your, and you sitting up in those churches with them worshiping devils, and you're talking about, yeah, well, what are you going to do? God won't let you leave. What God won't let you leave? That's the first question we need to ask. What God is holding you in godlessness? I'm going to have a little sip of my morning coffee here. I think this is a sip break. You know, Prophet Ashley's writing. See, we, we have been so programmed to let Satan's narrative run that you haven't even shaken yourself out and say, God, why won't you let me leave? What God? And then see if you get an answer. Because I've done that. I have blamed things on God, and I said, well, God, he said, he said not me. Because God cannot lie. You're sitting there because of your husband. You're sitting there because of your kids. You're sitting there because you like the pastor. You're sitting there because you like the camera planning your church. You're sitting there because you like the little coffee class. You're sitting there because you like the way the kids play together. You like, so as far as you can say, don't blame that on the Almighty. That's cozy land for you. So when we think about God, we have to recognize that, you know, Christians have so been taught about other gods, they don't realize that now you've got to talk about false Christ. You talk more about false prophets than you talk about false Christ. Because, see, false Christ is scary because that means that you've got to buck up in your discernment and detection, that you've got to really look at yourself, et cetera, et cetera. You've got to do that. So, if, so we're going now. So they created those portals. God closed those portals. So now we come down to Genesis 11, and they've been looking at the, you know, whatever little leftover stuff buried in the ground and whatnot, and maybe the new, the, the demons that were not the principalities, okay? So they found out that there was a time that the portals were open and that between heaven and earth there was no barrier, at least that level of heaven. And so those devils want to get it again. But again, they don't have authority, so they have to embody people to get that Adamic authority that gives them ability or access to what God exclusively gave humanity. So what do we have? Power of Babel. They're trying to get those portals open. Okay? So they're building this, this tower. Because, see, towers are, are high places, so they're building this tower. And God lets them get almost done. I can see them, I can see the Lord sitting up there. Hey, y'all, come. And, and won't help them with a brick, nothing. And you know that brick is heavy, didn't get a piece of machinery or anything. And he's watching them build. And they're building until finally they're ready to get there, and all of a sudden, he doesn't tear the tape. They never say he tore it down. He said, I just disbanded them. I made it 
confusing and frustrating for them to stay as one. I fractured their unity so they can no longer exchange instructions and directions and whatever. And so it got frustrated because of frustration, they went elsewhere. But their goal was to reopen those portals. So now well, let's move all the way down in Genesis to Genesis 28:12. I want you to hear the two. Listen to me carefully. This is the King James Version American. And it says, Genesis 28, 12, and he, he being Jacob, dreamed, and behold, a ladder upon the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. Okay, so you're going to like this. Angels of God. But does anybody know that in our logical mind, we would say descending, ascending? But that is not what the text says. The text says ascending and descending, meaning there are angels, terrestrial angels, assigned to the planet. And they better be because they got devils. Jesus said that everybody has an angel or two that reports to the Almighty on their life. So that is why he has such a real issue with abuse of kids. You know, the whole pedophilia thing, et cetera. Why is that going on? Why won't, how many of y'all said, I want God to do something? I won't give you an answer right now. He did. He assigned it to the church that sold out. How can Satan cast out Satan? His house cannot stand. So God's house is crumbling. The ecclesia, the church, is, is crumbling because it's being overrun by satanic people. This is not the first time. As the, as the flesh, so goes the spirit. Now, so Jacob, he, he saw a ladder. You know, I like this. He saw a ladder. And the ladder he saw, I want to go to a verse, uh, another way of reading it. You know, my newest find has been the, which I have in Jersey, but I forgot it. And so it said, but Genesis 28, 11, he reached a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set. He took one of the stones from the place, put it there at his head, and lay down in that place. And he dreamed a stairway was set on the ground with its top reaching the sky, and God's angels were going up and down on it. And God... He wanted to get the word. The Lord was standing there beside him, the Lord, the word, Jesus Christ, saying, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your offspring the land on which you are lying. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out toward the west, the east, and the north, and the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Look, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I've done what I promised you. Now, that is him. So he, here's the ladder. The angels are going up to heaven and coming back. What are they doing? They're bringing the spiritual provisions of the, prop, of the promise. 
They're bringing all of the resources, the invisible resources that are needed for that word to take on flesh and come to pass. So the so Jacob is God is letting hey somebody God is letting Jacob know that the promise I gave Abraham was not vain or empty. The promise that Abraham in turn passed on to Isaac and now is being renewed with you has all of the spiritual, eternal, heavenly, celestial resources it needs to, to come to pass. When God gives you a promise, you, and when God, well, let's back up. Let me back up just a moment if I can. When God says, if the thing comes to pass that a prophet speaks, you shall fear their prophet, or you can know that you heard from the Lord. What is he saying? There's an angelic force, God, contingent, attached to every word God speaks. And if it fails, it's because it's a word of man, and God assigned no spiritual or celestial agents or forces to make it so. You ain't got the part on yet, then there. So God led Jacob to a portal that was his. He led him to a portal that was hit. Now, let's look at Jesus. Jesus comes and he almost quotes a, re- a repeat of Jacob's experience. Except there is a small little word. You must read your Bible the way the Lord wrote it. You can't read your Bible the way your preacher teaches. You've got to read your Bible the way the Lord wrote it. And I don't care what anyone says, the Bible was inspired, is inspired word of God. When people say, yeah, well, you know, men and humans, they wrote it. So did they, they wrote the books you read. And you know what? You're not walking around calling them false. Because the battle is against Jesus Christ and the fact that he did something so phenomenal. You know, in our class, my um, AIT class, we have a whole new teaching on the blood. We have a whole new teaching on time. We have a whole new teaching on creation as the apostles of God knew it then and should know it now. Because it's the apostles that turned the world upside down. They didn't just turn it upside down. They turned it to Jesus Christ. They changed its axis. They changed its orbit. And they changed the way life is lived in the planet. Because the creator came back from when he departed the vessel of Adam to come back into the vessel of Jesus Christ. Why do you think evangelism is a problem? Folks don't want to get people to say, what are these governments telling you? No, you can't live, preach the gospel to them. No, yeah, but you know what? You, we can preach booze. We can preach sex. We can preach lying. We can preach the crime you're trying to control. But we can't preach the gospel because those nations have been under the power of the wicked one. But we can do something about that. Jesus, chapter 1, John chapter 1, Jesus talks to Nathaniel. And in 147, (laughs) I love this. Then Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said about him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit or guile. This is the CSB. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. 
before Philip called you, when you were under the tree, I saw you. Jesus answered. Now, Philip ready to get him, and Jesus is back here, and yet he sees him because he's died. And Rabbi, and so Philip says, 49, Rabbi, Nathaniel replied, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. Here's where it gets good. Now, this is, remember Genesis 28, 12. Look at this. Jesus responded to him. Do you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? Jesus is like, is that all it took to spark faith in me with you? Oh, but you're really good. Your faith is high. He said, you will see greater things than this. 51, listen to the wording. Then he said, truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now, Genesis, if you recall, they ascended and descended on a ladder. Now, it was a heavenly ladder over the portal. So, what, Dr. Price, what are you saying? Well, I'm going to hold that for just a minute. Just a, just a minute. I'm almost done. Are you all following me? Is this interesting to you? Uh, did you? Did you share? Did you tell everybody to share, share, share? And don't forget to sow your seeds. Now, before I do that, I'm going to take you to Chronicles, Second Chronicle. 11. Second Chronicle 11. Now, oh, I love this here. I want to go to Second Chronicles. Let me just go here. It's so hard, but, you know, sometimes we want to go the easy way. I hope you all are okay with this. Second Chronicles 11. All right, and we're going to read from the uh, fifth verse. Mine says Judas King Rehoboam. So this is about Rehoboam. You think it's about Rehoboam, but when you read this account in Kings, it's worded differently because there's a couple of things left out that the chronicler has. So Rehoboam, Jeroboam is taken over and king of Israel. Jeroboam hates God. Hates Yahweh. God promised him all these great things if he stayed faithful to what Solomon did. But Jeroboam breaks the line of kings because he's not from the line of David. And so when you think, when you look at it, I think it's Ephraimite, but I'm not there yet. So we go there, and Jeroboam is still going to stay faithful to David, his father, even though now he's got Jeroboam. Now, Jeroboam knew that he broke the line of kings. He knew he was not a natural king. He was a divinely appointed king, and he was very nervous. He was very nervous about being king and then people liking the, the Jerusalem thing more than they liked him. So what he did is he took advantage of human nature, and he built Bethel and um, I have to get the other one. Somebody write it up there for me because I'm trying to get through the points that I want to make. But um, Bethel and I, I'm, I'm, what is it, uh, Gilgal or what is it? Anyway, somebody tell me. And so he built two places, and he created two alternatives to go into the true church, go into the true site, the true temple. 
He said, you don't have to struggle with all of that. You know how we do it now. You don't have to worry about that. Just watch television. You don't have to worry about that. Just go around a corner. You don't have to worry about that. Just pray in your bedroom. Well, that same spirit was in Jeroboam. So he created two different alternatives for religion. But then the true ministers were like, yeah, but we can't do that. You see, I understand. I'm sure he put out jobs, but the true Levites would not minister in either one of those places. Because they're like, but that's not, we're supposed to be in Jerusalem. That's all right, because Jeroboam didn't want them anyhow, because he didn't want them preaching about how pure and right Jerusalem was. He wanted people enjoying their, uh, their, their uh, new deities in their new place, because he can't pick out two, two new deities. He just picked them up. Kind of like what y'all did with Cupid and Diana, Ishtar, Osiris, Zeus. I love it when people say, well, Zeus and Jesus are just alike. Are you kidding me? Have you read Zeus? I need you to read up on Zeus. So anyway, so Jeroboam, he did that. And so now he has to create a priesthood. He took the real priests that were working in that area, kicked them out. Kicked them out. I mean, fired them. You can no longer work for us. You can go where uh, Jerusalem is, and you can go worship there. You know, you all wonder why this big thing with Trump in Jerusalem, the man must have read a piece of scripture that the church didn't. So, so where Boehm, he just decides, okay, if you all are coming here, he, it says here in verse 5, he built fortified cities in Judah. He built up Bethlehem, Adam, Tekoa, Bethzor, Zoko, Ajalam, God, Medashah, Deep, Adarim, Lachish, Azekah, Zorah, Ahilam. And he built, he built all of them because the priests were coming home. He figured we're going to have church. We're going to build up some churches according to the original foundation of our faith. And we're going to let everybody who doesn't know those culture-crafted Christians go over there to those two sites that Jeroboam built. If you're a true prophet, you make the Old Testament Make sense in the new, you make the New Testament validate the old. You don't discredit it. You don't say it's old and it's dated. That is not how they did it. Jesus gave us the model. The Bible said Jesus preached the scrolls, the scriptures of the prophets. He didn't come writing a whole new book, writing a whole new Bible. Oh, I'm having fun. Are you all having fun with me? So then the next verse, and it says, he strengthened their fortifications, put leaders in them with supplies of food, oil, and wine. Jesus is doing that. He's taking the wealth of the wicked. He's putting it over there with the righteous. And he's telling um, Jeroboam, you run with your little money that you have. So Judah and Benjamin were his. 13, the priests and Levites from all their regions throughout Israel took their stand with Jeroboam, true ministers are not going the culture way. True ministers are saying, finally, God is doing something. Finally, God is moving. They're not following the new way because they know the new way is the old way. That's what they got in Egypt. So he goes and he says, for the priests left their pasture lands and their possessions and went to Judah and Jerusalem because Jeroboam and his sons refused to let them serve as priests of the Lord. 
I know some of you did because I've got those speedy ones. So I know some of you jumped ahead because it's the next verse that answers. Jeroboam appointed his own priest for the high places, the goat demons and the golden calves he had made. Those from every tribe of Israel who had determined their hearts to seek the Lord their God followed the Levites to Jerusalem to sacrifice to the Lord, the God of their ancestors. So they strengthened the kingdom of Judah and supported Rehoboam, son of Solomon, for three years because they walked in the ways of David and Solomon for three years. But eventually, without a strong leader, they backslide. You start listening to the rhetoric of the demons and the, 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 the idols. Now, the way um, the, I like the King James because it makes it very clear. You know, I have to figure out what they mean. Reading 15, 14 and 15 in the King James, because, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of that. For so the Levites left their suburbs and their possessions and came to Judah and Jerusalem for Jeroboam and his sons had cast them off from executing the priest's office unto the Lord. And he, Jeroboam, ordained himself priest for the high places and for the devil and for the cash which he had made. Is that powerful? So a lot of times you're making decisions as Christians that have nothing to do with Christ. You're making decisions as Christians that coincide with church. Again, that culture crafted Christianity. So he made, first of all, he created high places. And if you read them, he, if you read the King Version, he created high places. He created the places that matched portals, access points for spiritual travel. Because, you know, God has some too in plan. You know, and when he gets ready to do something, he opens up a portal and creates an access point where the angels of God that assert them begin to ascend and descend. It would seem that when things go crazy, even the angels get locked up. Okay, because why were y'all ascending and descending? Why, why wasn't it the other way? So, so what does he say? Now, other translations calls, as you can see, the King James calls the the rulers of the high places, devils. Another translation, translation calls them goat idols. Another one calls them male goats, which is why when you get into, when you get out of Jesus Christ, you immediately fall into sexuality. You immediately fall into fertility. When you leave them, you immediately begin to fall into witchcraft and pharmacia, where, where drugs go, because sorcery needs drugs. So that's open. See, all of this truth, we have not given you. And then another translation calls them goat demons. So when you leave Jesus Christ, you don't have an alternative. There's not a better version of Jesus Christ. You may find a better version of church. You may even find a better version of Christianity, but you won't find a better version of Jesus Christ because there's only one Jesus Christ who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, when we go down to Jude, we see them, again, James and uh, Peter, James and Jude, all still talk about the same thing, mostly Peter and Jude, and they talk about that. And I'm, I'm going to try to get us there because then I'm going to share with you some visions that are letting you know what's happening now. 
we're going to get Jesus. This is showed up for us. So Jude, many people, you all probably don't know this, but Jude opens with Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, and the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. You understand that we don't have this, this blanket everybody's in. There's nothing in Scripture that says everybody's in. We're all the same. And it doesn't say that. There is, a, there is exclusivity in everything about Christianity. A, sanctified by God the Father. B, preserved in Jesus Christ. C, Paul. Now, if you look, to show you this is gospel, if you look at verse 6, and it says, uh, let's go where, um, verse, let's go 4, because, you know, I, I, Jude is writing, saying, you guys contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And so he said, for there were certain men, there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. You all are so excited that you are following secular artists. You're excited that you're following secular ways and secular religion. You're thrilled. I stand in meetings where everybody brags, oh, yeah, but we do secular too. You do what? You mean you're backslidden. Because that's what it means. You mean that you have taken yourself from under Christ to under Satan's institutions, and you're bragging about it, and you're saying it because, after all, you're liberated from religion. No, you're not liberated from religion. You're liberated from Jesus Christ because the world is rooted in religion. All the world is rooted in religion. Now, they may tell you different stories, but it's religion. I don't care that the witches took and made themselves a science. They are a religious science. Because anytime you're dealing with spirituality, you're dealing with religion. Anytime you're dealing with the word outside of you, higher power, greater power, where are these powers? Who are they? But you're proud of that. You're so proud of that that when God takes you down, you're going to literally act as if he's wrong because he's not going to heal you. He will not heal you. I'm telling you that. Don't tell me. I know, I know he has mercy, but you know what? At certain levels, it's no longer about religion. It becomes about deity. And God said, let the God you obey raise you up. Let the God you serve raise you up. So it says, for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old, before of old, ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. This is Jude, Jesus' brother. We're not just talking about Jude, the nice, the nice servant. We're talking about the kid that grew up with Jesus, those three, those seven brothers that he had that they talked about and that he shared himself with. They watched him do phenomenal things, etc. And so he said, um, but these people turn the grace of our God into lasciviousness. Look up lasciviousness. No, well, don't look it up. Let me just read it in my translation. Why not I make it easy for you? I can do that. You know, I can really make it just a little bit easier for you. I'm going to go back to the Christian Standard Bible. So we have, so Jude starts telling you why he's writing and, and all of that. So we're going to get back down to, he said, now I want to remind you, although you came to know all these things once and for all, that Jesus saved the people out of, well, let me get the one in front of it. Okay, verse four. For some people who were designated, see, we understand now, designated, for this judgment long ago have come in by stealth, 
they are ungodly, turning the grace of God into sensuality. Does that help you? So you hear all this crazy grace message you're hearing, and it's all about sensuality. It's all about you being free and you doing what you feel and God overlooking this and overlooking that because he knows you can't help it because if it feels good to you, do it. Now everybody already reviewed. He's one page. And it says, and denying Jesus Christ, our only master and Lord. And then he says, now I want to remind you, although you came to know all these things once and for all, that Jesus saved a pe- Jesus. Jesus saved the people out of Egypt. Oh, somebody didn't hear me. See, look at the Christian Standard Bible. I like this little version. So far, I've been loving it. And so it says that Jesus saved, look at that, saved a people out of Egypt and later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their own position but abandoned their proper dwelling. He has kept in eternal chains in deep darkness for the judgment on the great death. Likewise, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns committed sexual immorality and perversion. I love this. And perversion. Or went after other flesh. That's what perversions mean. Went after other flesh. And, and served as an example by undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. In the same way, these people relying on their dreams. Oh, Dr. Price, that can't fit. Oh, no. So the whole fantasy issue that we have today, it's okay to be, to be intimate with your spouse and fantasize about someone else. It's okay to imagine yourself doing this and imagine yourself doing that. Oh, this Bible is way ahead of y'all, sin. Way ahead of the sin of this world. Defile the flesh, reject authority, and slam the glorious one. And we can go on, but I want you to understand there really is nothing new under the sun. That which is has already been, and that which is to be has already been. You, need, you don't need another Bible. You need a good Bible teacher. You need a true Bible teacher. And if you want to get a very relevant Bible teacher, you need to get a Bible teacher who stands in the office of Scripture's authoring mantles. I just thought I'd say that. So having said that, did I say a lot? Are they still flowing? Now, I said to you that John 51, 151, Jesus became the portal. No longer was heaven opened to humanity. He became the opener. I am he who opens and does not shut, who shuts, and no one can open. So Jesus is the portal. Think about me. This man, this person is a portal. Meaning you, Lord Jesus. So when Jesus sent the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost brought the open heaven. Which is why before the Holy Ghost came, Jesus warned us. He said, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. When the Holy Spirit came, the kingdom of heaven returned to earth. And anybody who can work the rules and the laws could wrestle for it. 
Now, here's where it gets better. If Jesus by himself was the portal that angels ascended and descended on, how much more the ecclesia that he said the gates of hell would not prevail against? Is that awesome? So you recognize that the occultists are opening portals because you won't stand and lock them down. A witch can't open a portal that a Christian shuts down. In order for them to get all of this demonic activity through, you have to stand down. Y'all won't. Look at that. The bell won't even go. Somebody shook. I was like, oh, no. Just the point. Because the portal of the kingdom of heaven is, in fact, the portal of heaven or the portal to where, to where the angels go and get what they get. The reason Paul said don't fall into uh, worshiping angels or involuntary worship of angels because you got it. The kingdom of heaven didn't just land on the planet as air, as a climate or environment. It dumped itself in you. For the kingdom of heaven is in you. We're like, no, you mean, you mean, no. I mean, everything the Holy Ghost can do, you can do. Everything the Holy Ghost has authority over, you have it in your assigned realm. The Holy Ghost has global authority. You, you have reasonable, you have spiritual authority. All of these people, you all have been talking about, but they, well, you know, they just playing in devil. But I, I, I'm going to tell you the truth. I said to you, I was a portal. I did not know what I was seeing. I needed this teaching way back in the 80s when I started seeing how these things were coming in. God gave me a vision about um, being in a church. It seemed to be one of those traditional churches, um, it, it, to be honest with you. And, and, and I could, you know, in a private setting, I'll give you more finite information. But for this purposes, you just need to know this. And I watched the, search, the, 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 um, the, video, the dream, and he played it out. And he took me over the airways, dropped me down into the basement of this church. In this church, there was a bunch of people who were, um, dressed in black robes taking classes. And they, when they finished their classes, they went through the doorway out of the church, and as they did their black garment, which must have been school uniform, their black garment turned to everyday wear, and they were realtors, and they were politicians, and they were educators, et cetera, et cetera. That's what they did. And that was one of the first ones. Well, I didn't know what that meant. The next one I have, I'm sitting there, and I have a dream, and it's all of a sudden in, win, in a winter. It was a winter season, and it was a December. I remember the Holy Ghost letting me know it was a month of December. And in this vision, there had been a, a, a terrible snowstorm, but it, it had ended. And you know how pretty the land is when it ends? The ground is washed and cleaned and whatnot. And he took me to heaven, and I saw a spaceship. And the spaceship had, was literally, it was very much like a bell, and it had red, white, and blue lights circling around it. I went in the spaceship, and I looked at it, and there was a man. And to be honest with you, he was Greek. And there was a man, and he was uh, actually flying the ship. But when he got over America, the, the bottom of the ship opened, and a, a group of young men fell. And they were criminals, and they were rogues. 
and they hit our country. Now, this is going back, let's just say, early 90s. I'm telling you because I want you to understand that, understand the mandate I'm going to give you as I end this. The next time I have a dream, and we are watching this, um, this whole dream about the dinosaur, Barney. And at that time, I didn't know anything, because I'm telling you now how God's working with some of you, and you don't know it's God. Okay? And so, and, and God let me know this is the next spirit that's going to take over. Now, when I first saw it, it was a huge dinosaur. His, the thing had to be, I don't know, maybe, I want to say as large as a city. His tail went like the length of a, a, a highway, and, and with his tail, he kept smack, swinging, and every time he swung it, it knocked out houses, it knocked out buildings, it knocked out everything. And I, think, and I remember being terribly afraid because I woke up with my heart racing. And, and so but God told me, don't be afraid. He said, because this is what it's going to look like. And he showed me Barney. Why? Not that little stuffed animal. Not that little caricature. No. The powers that it allowed access to through sensuality, through I like it, through doesn't it feel good, through isn't it fun. So I go again. And, and now these happen over a period of years, so don't think that it all happened in one week or month, because I'll probably be busy. And so, <laughs> no, <laughs> all right. So then we have another one. So I'm telling you how all of the spirits that have fit our land. I'm telling you how they gained access, and they gained access through your approval and authority. So the next one I go, and there is a, a, a serial killer. And he's dressed like one of those people would dress if they were doing a whole survival thing in the woods. And so all of a sudden, people are just dying, especially church people. They're dying. I mean, they're dying by the droves. And I mean, the blood is unbelievable. I'm like, God, what, what's going on? What happened? Well, he showed me a couple of uh, uh, very high leaders who forged, uh, who forged arrangements with governments. So I said, well, God, but what about the people? What's killing them? Because at the time, I didn't know what was killing them. And then he went there, and he took me to where this place, where this being looked like a man, but where he lived. And he lived in a lodge, a lodge cabin. And I said, well, God, well, what's the lodge cabin? He said, he's killing those who have him lodged, lodged in their hearts. I was, oh, Jesus. So then we go on. I'm, I'm telling you this because it's important that you understand. You know, it's important that you really understand. And so I can, I mean, that, actually I can go on some more, but, this, but then I had another dream about all these prophets with this great prophetic meeting, meeting on the Egyptian star on the floor. Egyptian star. Didn't God's issue start with Egypt? And, and you know what? And it ends with Egypt. So, and then again, I, I, I go on and we continue. I have so many of them. But the point that I want you to make is that I realized that in all of those instances, because I was uneducated and undeveloped, I did not know that the Lord was letting me know what was coming into my land. I, I, and some of you all have similar things. I'm, I'm sure you do. I didn't know. And because I did not know, I also didn't know who I was who I was destined to be or how I was destined to do. So I'm sitting here and I'm saying, but God, I mean, if they're big here and this and that, didn't know that these are portals that people were playing. These, these are cultists and pagans are playing up. And those spirits, those, those forces, principalities, they're getting through. 
and they're getting through because we're not united. They're getting through because everybody got a whole different kind of prophet thing. They're getting through because the prophets are going to shaman meetings and cult meetings and rituals and carrying on, and you all sitting there opening up the portals for the devils, the devils of the high places that are running the government. You want to know how these laws are getting passed? Devils are in those seats. Good laws get passed by good people. Wicked laws get passed by wicked people. I don't know how you, how you missed that. When I think about the time that before uh, uh, this uh, president was elected, when we had this amazing storm. That's why I know God has taken out stuff. Had amazing storm. I think I told this vision. And when I came out, it was of the institutional building that I was in. After the storm, uh, uh, the, the ground was littered. The parking lot was littered with snakes. Every kind of snake, big snakes, small snakes, yellow snakes, red snakes, pink snakes, you name it. The beautiful ones. Ugly ones and they were all dead. Snake speak to the serpent. Serpent speaks to the knowledge of good and evil. It speaks to what took out Adam. They were all dead. And I knew then that God was clearing out the high places. It is no wonder that our president started out by clearing out the high places. See, there's a biblical precedence for this. And if you were on the Lord's side, you'd understand that. So here's the last piece. I was um, woke up the other yesterday morning, whatever, and was in the spirit. And in the spirit, I was in outer space. In outer space, I saw this big, I mean, it was so blue and dark, dark blue. And I saw this very tiny, faint, uh, white, yellow, white light, and it started growing. And out of the light came this image of an Egyptian deity. And it was absolutely the most beautiful material I'd ever seen. So, and it started moving toward me, and I began to push it back. But it started moving, and I pushed it back. So I love my chief prophet. I love all my prophets, but this time the chief prophet was the one who got it first because, you know, she can't come in the kitchen for a drink of water without me telling her something or her telling me. So she, we're standing there, and I told her to drink. She said, but you're the portal now. It doesn't have to come through. I said, oh, come on, King Jesus, John 151. We're the portal. See, that's why it has to come through the church. It has to come through disarming the church. It has to come through persuading and deceiving the church because the authority, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So you go. You go. So I am right now, in the name of the Lord, I right now am encouraging you who are real apostles. First of all, y'all need to go to my website and take all of those courses on prayer portal, governmental prayer, the strategic prayer. Some of you took them, but not enough. But you need to know what to say because you can't just say any old thing and you can't say the old words that let them through. So I need you to go and take those courses. Some of you all, we have new courses that are coming up and I know that Prophet Ashley is putting up. That's the first thing. And the second thing, you all begin to shut down those portals and Literally evacuate the heavens from those with those spirits. Push them back to where they go. Because there's a shield that they've got to break through, and you are that shield. See, when all of y'all prophets started chasing occultic demons, you started chasing a Greco-Roman gods, you started following them, you authorized them. It wasn't their power, it was yours. It wasn't their authority, it was yours. Because Jesus Christ, principalities and powers made a show of them openly and you you, and you got all disturbed because people could not technolize your theology 
help me somebody. I need every one of you all to make the next 365 days, the day that you push back the darkness and those of you with the, with the seat and authority of Jesus Christ that, that, that sit in those seats, you begin to close those portals and those wells. I want you to shut down hell's wells, and I want you to shut down those heavenly portals and begin to lock them. God told me, he said, tell them I want them to lock them out. And I promise you, you're going to have witches with no power. You're going to have wizards that, can't, that are not wise. You're going to have sorcerers that cannot make portions. And you know why? Because all authority has been given to Jesus Christ, and the Bible said he's the head of all principality and power. So either we take this thing by faith and let our faith manifest it, let our faith functionalize it, or we are going to look at a, a planet that we don't understand. Right now, God has given us a window. We have a window of opportunity. Those of you who went to those shaman classes and all of those witchcraft classes and all of those psychic classes, you need to repent and you need to go to God and ask God to not only forgive you, but to cleanse you because devils are criminals. And so they are already rotting in your soul, which is why you have such a problem with Jesus Christ. That's why you can't pray, why you can't sing songs. That's why you can't go to church. You can't tolerate Jesus Christ. Even though he's in your heart, he has been locked down. He's on lockdown. So everything that you feel about him is immediately washed away by what you've worshipped. It's getting better. I'm letting my prophets come now. So you need to make sure you do that. Those of you who have had this, that are wrapped up in yoga, I want you to understand. I don't care what the devil tells you. Of course the devil is going to tell you yoga is of God because it is one of his $350 million. But you cannot cast out Satan with Satan. I'm telling you, how can, that's why you don't have power in your churches. You don't have, because you deny the God, the God of the power. You don't have power in your churches. You don't have power in your prayers. You don't have power in your worship. You got your, your people sitting up there, um, worshipers, looking like they belong to some sort of rock concert, and you're saying, yeah, but God's still moving. What God? Because God said, I am holy. So you, you don't even know what God, your liberated worship team is worshiping. That other one should be coming around. I guess she's going to come around. She knows she's going to come around the corner smoking. I need you all to let me know what you think about this because I want to do a webinar and, and begin to take you into the next one. I'm going to do the third webinar on opening your prayer portal. But you need to understand that this problem in America, it, it didn't start with the American people. It started with Jesus' leaders. Because like Jeroboam, those leaders fired that holy worship leader because it wasn't cool. Y'all started wearing little tattered jeans because, wait a minute, you jail bone. You make your own pick. You're making a human pick for the she-goat, I mean the he-goat, the goat idols, male goats, and goat demons. In other words, when you start, when, when you start seeing your, your praise and worship team turn over, you need to get scared, especially when it becomes more secular. When your church starts becoming more trendy, you need to leave it. You need to leave it because if, if it's trendy, that means it's already overtaken. And the male goat, the devils have already done it. When you start seeing doctrine that doesn't make sense and you read your Bible and you can't find your sermons in your Bible, you need to be concerned. Prophet Ashley. Mm. Uh-huh. Mm. You like that I brought you right on the right point. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
I just like the statement you said about the Bible is way ahead of your sin. <laughs> we have some fire today. <laughs> we got some understatements. The Bible is what it is, isn't it? Well, yes, but that's not what we hear. And so uh, just to have that statement, I mean, I really honestly don't even know where to begin today. Mm. Because of just places. She said you start with pencil. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> actually said that on YouTube. Come on, I was pen. <laughs> I was pen. <laughs> oh, let's see. Well, based on even what you just said, two ministers are not going the culture way. You can't do it. And I think that it's like long since past time that we have somebody stand up and say, scripturally, but in our everyday uh, application mm. of what it looks like when your church is going cultural. Mm-hmm. And how scripture does not talk about being cultural to the day. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Exactly. And that, that was the, some of the hallmarks and the differences. And, and you said without a strong leader, people backslide. Mm-hmm. 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 But here's the one. We make decisions as Christians that have nothing to do with Right. <laughs> Nothing. But they have everything maybe to do with our church. And again, as an apostle, bringing Jesus Christ back into the center yeah. of his church. Can we do that? Can yeah. you help? How about that? Okay. We're going to bring him back. And they said, well, how many things do you do that are actually for the Lord? Now, we'll say it's for God. Mm-hmm. We want people to feel love. So they feel the love of Jesus. Mm-hmm. We want to worship so that they feel the love of Jesus. We want to do other things. But taking it completely off course from everything that he said. Mm-hmm. And I think the most damaging uh, line of thought is not being religious. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we just don't want to be religious, but we don't want people to think that we're religious. You know, don't be like going into a hospital, and so they don't want, don't want you to be in the well, We don't want you to be sanitized no, because no. we don't want you to feel like we are imposing. Mm-hmm. Our, host, our hospitality, our hospital standards on you. Could be that too. Yeah, your hospitality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that the hospital's hospitality is being sanitized. Mm-hmm. But we don't want people to feel like all we are telling them to do is that they have germs mm-hmm. and they're sickly and that they're going to contaminate everybody else. So let's not impose that on them so they feel better about themselves. Meanwhile, they are killing everybody else mm-hmm. and spreading germs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But we don't want their feelings hurt. No, we don't want their feelings hurt. Now, we can have people dying. Uh-huh. That's okay. Yeah. These are the, the families of those who are remain. They'll be all right. Because as long as these people, because then they might stop coming to the, the hospital, hospital, and they might go somewhere else, which is more germ-friendly. Yes. And, and that's what the church is. The church is, the church is germ-friendly. We're so sin-friendly mm-hmm. that it's like, hey, as long as, as, long as uh, you're comfortable with your sin, then we will accommodate that mm-hmm. so you don't feel bad. Yeah. You, we had a whole falling out at a service one time around table just over homosexuals and homosexuality in the church. It, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. But, but they should be in Satan's church. They just ought not be in ours. How about that? Because Go ahead. Well, she, I'm just, you know, thinking about the fact that, you know, this teaching that you've done today, I think really just, it, it, magnifies the fact that we have not eaten enough meat so we're not ready for this fight right now. No, we're not. We've just been on milk for Mm -hmm. so long. 
and that's why we're, yes. we're, we're not really fighting it. You know, we're just succumbing and, and bringing it in and inviting uh, uh, demonic influences into our churches, inviting other gods. We don't have enough meat to fight. And, and that's, uh, ugh. anyway, I just think that that's so You do need to beef up. You have to beef up. To you know, but you, you're, you've been feasting <laughs> on this meat all this time. You know what I mean? So you're now in, in a whole world of milk. You're the meat. You know what I mean? So you're saying I, I'm actually, I actually have ammo to mm-hmm. fight this fight. And that's why this conversation that we're having today is really important. Mm. Did you have anything else? Because she got a lot of blue this week. We got a last one. You know, last yeah. week you had two blues. I didn't have my blue. Oh, that's right. That's right. You the blue is in here. Now? Is right. Right. Yeah. This is your lead of the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I mean, you talked about how uh, discipleship transforms, uh, which is why we don't want to be discipled by mm-hmm. Christ right now. You know, transforming is the last thing that we want to be. Um, and I think that that's, that's part of the problem. Uh, I love how you talk about the apostle's job. You put it this way, to impose the eternal disciplines of everlasting life on the nation. Yes. You know, we yes. are, you talked about this, that the, the, the issues that the people have with, with our president, the issues that really just we're even having in culture and in the world mm-hmm. right now is, is no one wants to be called to account, you yes. know. So to, to bring to light that the apostles' job was to call these nations actually to account, mm-hmm. think about how brutal conversion really is. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, that's hard for us. We don't like to face off mm-hmm. with that, you know, but the, 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 even the brutality of conversion and what that really means, um, you bringing light to the fact that that truly is the apostles' job. You're drawing some lines. I don't know, did you know that you were drawing lines today? Mm-hmm. You're drawing some lines today <laughs> because you're, you're dealing with, you know, those who are true and those who have been perpetrating in these in these seats of authority. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me just speak to that. That's a powerful statement. You know, again, the Bible says that the, the enemy is a deceiver. Uh-huh. He just, everything is about deception. And deception begins with perception. How you perceive a thing, but how it makes your mind and your heart and your soul feel determines whether you are deceived or whether you are enlightened. So because your perception of light and your perception of enlightenment have everything to do with whether or not you're deceived. Now, why am I saying that? Because she just said discipline. Let me tell you something. You may not realize that you are accountable, but you are accountable to your sin. Addictions yeah. are accountability to a sin. And you have to continue obeying its demands, its impulses, Etc. So when you break your accountability to your destroyer, your addiction dies because you got to be accountable to something. You know, every man walks in the name of his God. That's real. Every person walks in the name of what they deem to be a God in their life. So you're accountable to it. You're accountable to your immorality. Because what do you say? I'm not trying to be a religion. I'm not trying to be a goody two-shoes. I'm not trying to be a holy roller. Mm-hmm. So you, are, you, you have already internalized and fortified your accountability to your sin or to that which is destructive. You are very accountable to it. I'm not going to church because I don't want people to think I'm a Christian. I'm not going to church because I want to think I'm saved. Those are all disciplines. You're uttering the disciplines you chose. See, Christians walk around and say, oh, wow, well, I don't want to say, but he actually just said, disciple. No, he said, be disciplined, because Christianity is a disciplining of what used to own you. Hmm. 
Before you got saved, you obeyed. Doesn't say that Peter said, "Well, you obeyed the things of which you are now ashamed." So you, when you decide that you want to break your discipline to Christianity, you want to turn back to your shame, and you're going to obey the disciplines of your shame. That's the constancy, that is the regularity, that is the habituality. Those are all discipline statements. Just because they're bad habits or just because they are vices doesn't mean that they don't have a discipline. Vice has a discipline just like virtue. See, we keep making the, I refuse, and I know God has to be with me in this. Because I refuse to let somebody's vices dictate my virtue. If y'all haven't given, you need to give right now. Text to give, 918-608-1378. Cash app, Dr. Paula Price. PayPal, Dr. Paula Price. If you haven't given, you need to give right now. You need to show on this right now. Exactly. Because the whole thing is life is about discipline. You eat breakfast. Because it's a discipline. Yeah. And when you don't eat it, you just, you, you, as far as you're concerned, you're losing weight. As far as your destroyer is concerned, you're killing yourself. All right? So, so that's a discipline. You, have, you go to school, discipline. You work, discipline. You clean your house. Those are disciplines. You, you control your temper at work, that's a discipline. You cuss everywhere but at work. When they put out a man that you can't cuss, it's a discipline. But you control your vices. Wow. Your vices are as disciplined as your virtues. It's just your virtue is not what you're choosing. You're not choosing to put your body through another round of pain to be free. Because you realize when you, come on, exercise, pain, discipline. But do you know what? Lack of exercise is subconscious discipline. So because the indulgence is a discipline in itself. I am not going to feel bad because I don't work out. I am not going to, don't you do that to yourself? You discipline your body not to feel bad or not to feel shame and not to feel guilt. Those are all disciplines. And when you went to all of those seminars and talked about you're going to be guilt-free and you're going to love being decadent and all that stuff, those are all disciplined words. They're discipline cues. Isn't it? Because you have a discipline that says, I will stop, but then you have a discipline that says, I am not going to feel bad because I won't do right. That's a discipline. You talk yourself into it. We are exposed. Right now. I know. So I'm telling you, mercy. I mean, and, and, and people, you, when you are in your, what do you do? You go there. To your uh, addiction classes, your 12 steps, five steps, your pre- please somebody, anybody help me steps. And you know what you say? You go there and you do what you do. You reverse your discipline. Oh. Will you used to tell yourself it's okay to eat that extra cookie? You now reverse your discipline and say it's not okay mm. to eat that cookie. Wow. Now, the reason that you won't stick with it is because. You are so molded to your liberties and your indulgences and your privileges that the, the emotional trauma of having to reverse all of those permissions oh and all of those wrong affirmations is very, very discomforting, which is why you don't want to suffer like that. Mm. 
So don't give me that whole thing about, I don't, mm-mm. you are disciplined. You just forgot how well you disciplined. And then you commanded your, your instincts and you commanded your conscience to not react to what destroys you. You commanded your conscience to not do that. You told your conscience, I ain't going to feel bad, but I'm going to be in bad. Look at all of the brazenness you have. Everything is brazen. Why? That's a discipline. They practice that as a discipline. I won't feel bad. I will not feel embarrassed. I won't let it happen. That's a discipline. You realize that those those women, when they walk out there and everybody else is looking like so-and-so and they walk out there half naked, they stood in their mirror and disciplined their emotions and discipline their feelings, their heart not to feel and not to, I'm, uh-uh, I'm just going to hold my head high. I'm just going to strut. I'm just going to shake my boots. I'm going to wiggle my butt. And that's a discipline. Wow. My you God. stood in your mirror and did it when you bought that bikini. You did it. So don't tell me, because life requires a discipline that heals and that hurts, that quickens and that kills. All life is about a discipline. It's just what, what you want to do with the treasures God gave you. First time you did that nude scene, oh, no, you had to discipline your body not to feel uncomfortable, for guilt not to happen, for embarrassment not to happen, for that sense of uncleanness not to be accepted or at least felt. You did that. Don't think, and I'm talking to you Christians because y'all sit down and you let people run these games on you and tell you all of this kind of stuff. You let people do it all the time. And you know what you do? You apologize for holiness and you apologize for righteousness. And you hide, you hide your virtues and you start telling them that you you can see their vices and all of a sudden you pretend. I watched somebody, I don't even know who it was, but you know, I have a, I have a dream with, a, uh, with somebody who is um, not safe for them not to feel bad. Well, why, why can't they feel bad about you not Absolutely. drinking? See, but oh, you twist yeah. it. Oh, you take down, you take down, and you take oh. down, and you take down until you're taken out, and you wake up one day and say, I don't know how I got in this place. I don't know how this happened. No, you don't know. Yeah, you know. You just don't want to recall. Because God said, be it unto you according to your faith. Mm. Be it unto you according to your will. Be it unto you. This is your thing. And I appreciate Jesus for giving me these classes. He said, no, no, no. Don't, uh-uh. Because, see, you all are blaming Jesus Christ. Mercy. we got the blame game. Well, I just don't understand why God won't help me get this weight off because he didn't help you put it on. <laughs> well, we had that job before. <laughs> he said, I need that. And if you are walking with him and you please him, he won't let a devil come at you like that. But you have got to open up and please more of God than the song and the music. The reason you keep saying, well, I've been singing my praises. What's that got to do with anything? That's like saying, that's like your spouse saying, well, I've been singing you love songs. Why are you upset that I have somebody else? Hmm. Well, I've been worshiping, but when I'm home, I'm with you. I'm only with you. And you say, but that's how you're excited. Well, listen, yeah, you, I gave you my body. But, I mean, I'm just sharing it around. Why? Why do I have to have everything that you can't restrain come in my house and live with me because I love you? Oh, my. See, there are, these are real soul-cleansing statements, and these are soul-healing classes mm. because you're going to find out how powerful the human will really is. And you're going to find out how strategically applied and manipulated it is by darkness because they know more than you do how 
powerful the will is. And they know that if they can seize your will, infuse with your will, they can make you like anything they want you to do. I'm sorry, what were we saying? You're like, what were we saying? But you know what, even to go back to something you said, how true it is, a lot of Hollywood people who do those sex scenes do them high mm-hmm. and drunk or with body doubles mm-hmm. because they are scared and ashamed of doing it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, so, and the body double yep. is somebody who's young, blind, and hungry. Yep. Because see, if I was a body double, I would have to say, so it's too good for you. So why am I doing it? But instead, the body set, body double says you're stuck up, but I don't care. No, you don't care about you. Mm-hmm. You don't care about yourself because somebody raised you to let you know that what everybody else likes, enjoys, and approves is more important than your own dignity and your own self-esteem. Your self-esteem is what everybody else likes to pervert. But see, that's how we get people free. But you have to do that by getting God's people in the high places. Right. But right now, all of this here passed because the church was in church. We needed you to be in the in the voting booth. We needed you to be on the politician floor. We needed you to be in the Senate. We needed you to be where those where the wisdom and logic and not just the religion spoke. I talk like this for a purpose. I, I, and I get into it for a purpose so that you are no longer just speaking religion. You start speaking reality and the realisms of the Almighty. If you have questions or comments, we're going to let you have the last few minutes to do I love what you said before that, uh, you know, having Jesus in your heart, and that's not quite enough. You said everything you feel about him has been washed away by what you worship. <laughs> You're a praise and worship leader. Talk about that. I just, I, I, I can attest to the fact that you can literally be sitting with what you think is your CD masked by mm-hmm. all the other things that you allowed in your heart. You know, you, you, you will be the first one who will who help me understand that you can think someone's completely okay and then you would say, no, that person's bound by a devil. You're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Where are you away? Yeah. What? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you don't think about the fact that the things that you've absorbed, that the things that you're, you're taking in from culture, from other gods, from other deeds, all those different things that you're engaging in are masking the Christ in you. Mm-hmm. you. You think, you tell yourself that the Christ in you is conforming to all those things. That's kind of what you tell yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? That you're just evolving. Well, we use that word. I'm evolving. I'm growing. I'm whatever. And and you and you said you said the the statement about backsliding. Oh man, that was so good about how you how you um how you're claiming that you are just progressive and you're mm-hmm. just never no you're just backsliding. You just backsliding. Same backsliding that Bob has been yelling at you. Backsliding. I cannot. Mm-hmm. I'm going back to what I used to do. Because when people tell you that they're evolving, you know what I like to ask them? Because I'm really committed to this thing. I like to say, well, what does that mean? Evolving from what to what? And when you got saved, what was that if that wasn't an evolution? Well, because to me, if salvation is an evolution, then you are devolving. And it is a word. Look it up. You are devolving, which means you're falling. And God deals with that. He said, well, how did you... Look at you, you all went backwards instead of forward. 
Now, why am I doing this? Because I have to keep saying this because, you know, I hear, I hear so many things about, you know, well, that's religious. That's how you see it. I, that's not how I see it. It's how I read it. It's how I read it. Word means what they words mean what they mean. And I don't just look at this translation. I look at all translations and find out that God has a consistency. There's a pattern. And if God is righteousness, there's no way in the world that I can read a Bible translation's righteousness as liberty. I can't do that. Um, and you don't do, if you did that with your textbooks at school or your manuals at work, you fail. And Christians are failing by the road. I do this because I take the office of apostleship as more than a ministry. I am a literal representative of the Godhead. That's what I do. I represent the throne of Jesus Christ and his sovereignty. You know, I was reading yesterday, uh, actually doing another senior book, but I was, and you know, and it talked about that the, the apostle must represent the sovereignty of the sender. We don't. We just represent the, Jesus Christ as a icon for our religion. Yeah. He's not an icon yeah. to me. See, the iconic representation is always going to try to fit the viewer or the end user. And I do this because I know that Acts twenty six eighteen set me free as an apostle. If you're an apostle, you need to read it and then dig into it because apostles are very cerebral, you're very heady, and you have to know the root of things. So you need to dig into it. If you're a prophet, same thing. Prophets are going to dig into something, check it back, then look down the aisles of time, go back to culture and whatever. But I'm telling you, when I did a thorough study of Acts 26:18, I understood apostleship like never before, particularly apostleship to the Gentiles. And Paul said he's apostle to the Gentiles to make them obedient to the faith, obedient to Jesus Christ. Obedience is objective. So everything that you do as a minister is for obedience, because rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. Any questions out there? there you, guys, now you know you don't get this often. Are you all not? They don't have questions. Is it because you're stunned? You're all kind of stunned? I think we have a lot of follow-up. Out there. I love the statement you said about what God is holding you in godlessness. I mean, and we've heard a lot. I just, God just won't let me leave church crumbling, walls falling, everybody's sinning. No, they haven't said on the pulpit. Oh, now God just won't let me leave. And then when he said that, but what God is holding you in godlessness? Mm-hmm. Oh, and have you been have you been with an apostle who understands their true commission? There's the question of the hour. Maybe we need to ask ourselves some questions. Mm-hmm. Have I been with somebody who truly understands what God is trying to accomplish? You talked about the the fact that you know true apostles would not be leading you into the worship of other gods. They're not going to do that. No, 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 no. They're not. That's a great statement. And you know what's so interesting about that? is that you don't realize that, see, the the con has been very good. It's been very skillfully done. This campaign has been not only ingenious, but deviantly so. And so you don't recognize that you have fallen away from Christ because the the, the strategy of Satan is to dehumanize or depersonify every deity. Mm -hmm. So all of the deities are now called fakes. 
Uh, or called worship. Or called belief. They're not called by their name. That is why you have a problem with Jesus Christ, because you've been trained in school, you've been trained in colleges, you've been trained in various meetings and, and various sessions to no longer see the spirit realm as being peopled or, or the demons as part of the spirit realm population. You have been trained to see spirituality as some sort of internal emission from you that points you with this way or that way. When you look at, when you hear about the Buddhists, what are they constantly saying? The universe. Nobody ever asked them what part. It's a huge universe, and it's pretty deadly. And so you have no idea, so you've fallen into Satan's black hole of deception. And you're just free-falling, going around as this thing is moving around. Because you don't realize the reason you have a problem with Jesus Christ is because Christianity is the only one, those that have belonged to him, have not bought into the de-personified worship of angels. Wow. Now, Paul obviously had that. He said, don't let them trick you into involuntary worship of angels. So you worship days. They tell you it's a day. It's a holiday. It is the winter solstice. Woo! It is the so-and-so. It is not the God the literal deity that founded that thing years ago. They have switched their tactics. They have reinvented religion for you by literally making you serve anonymous or anonymous powers in the name of your liberty and your preference. That's why you have a problem with Jesus Christ. That's why you all don't want to honor Jesus, because they have sent out the mandate. Satan has sent out the mandate. We don't call the name unless you're up close and personal in some of those cults where, where, you know, they just are not going to do it. Most Christians, you, because, you know, we're more faithful to Satan than even his people sometimes. And we do it by default. Because you're going to defend your right, too. So you are dressing in hardware because you think it's your liberty when in fact it is the same outfit and you ask a fashion person they will tell you yes. it's the same outfit of ancient goddesses mm-hmm. but you Christians bought into that because you wanted to be like the world I want to be like them Ooh, I mean you're crashing up and you want to say oh yeah and he was in the world are you kidding me I want the people to get saved I don't care who they are, in the church, out of the church, above the church, under the church, probably not under the church. But in any event, I want them to get saved. I admire the talent that God has out there, secular, sacred, I don't care. God has people who have done, I mean, amazing things. He has people who have skills and capacity. I love the the, the gymnasts, and I always like the gymnasts. I like the gymnasts. I love the Olympics. I love all of that. But I don't forget that I love them human to human, not saved to unsaved. In other words, I love that person, and I love their talents, and I love what they do. And yes, I do. I go to movies. I do, I, I do all of that, but I don't go be, to be converted. Oh. And see, that's what they've done. They tell you they're, they're doing all of this to convert you. Woo! See, you all go and, and enjoy the world to be converted because you can't serve two masters. You can't love Christ. And Belial, because God, Jesus is just, a, he's just irritating. He's irritating the sinner. That's what the problem is. That's why they're joking. Mm. 
So you don't go for that. You go to appreciate the work, the art, etc. And, and, and you can't go lying to yourself saying, well, I'm going to appreciate the arts when you're slowly turning into that art. Because yeah. see, you know what they do? Mm-hmm. You know, you go and say, oh, no, no, no. I, I mean, I just go to enjoy it. I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm not worse than it. Yes, you are, because you don't have enough guardrails. You don't have enough psycho-emotional pillars in your soul to push back on the spirits that have anointed that art. Because you know what spirit actually is. Those things are annoying. I, you know, because when you turn off the television, that spirit is still singing songs to you, uh-huh. trying to convert you. I know that. And you have to be stronger than it. Or at least have a nice little serial uh, system where you hit the button, some praise. <laughs> but when you start succumbing to that art, you start dressing like it. You start talking like it. You begin to, uh, to research it and dig into it. And you begin to look at other versions of it or other, other levels of it. You are not appreciating the art. You are being converted. Did you want to kiss on that? Yes. Oh, yeah, one more. You look like you got one more. No, 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 I'll, I definitely will. Um, so how they can get connected with this in town. We would we, we, we be remiss if we don't announce the summit that's coming up, all right, November 14th through the 17th. Uh, November, you can register online. We just added a ton more details online about the schedule, the speakers, and everything that's going to be going on. So we want you to visit drpaulaaprice.com so that you can be here in Tulsa with us. You've got to experience Dr. Price live. She's going to be doing all day on Thursday, November 15th, and you're also invited to join us on the kickoff night, which is the 14th for the Dignitaries Dinner mm. with Dr. Reginald Nichols from Warren Pacific. So you want to be a part of what God is doing here in Tulsa, November 14th through the 17th. 2018, you can get your tickets online right now. We have buy one, get one until the 25th of September. So buy one, get one until the 25th of September. Make sure you visit us online and get registered for this powerful event. Amen. And then Price University? Price University classes, absolutely self-study classes uh, that Dr. Price mentioned earlier in the broadcast. Strategic prayer. Strategic prayer is filling up. We've had people registering for strategic prayer one. We've got strategic prayer two available as well. Um, How about this hard reset metaphysical prophetics talking about what Dr. Price has been teaching on. That class is starting on the 17th and that class is filling up. Prophetic guardianship one is filling up. So we're so excited about our self-study program which is kicking off September 17th. That's this Monday and it's not too late to get registered for that too. PriceUniversity.org is where you want to go to get all the information for how you can get be a part of the self-study classes. I'm excited about that. Anything you want to add? Enroll today. Enroll today. She's going to keep the simple. I mean, if anybody's going to keep the simple, she's going to keep the simple. Education, you cannot bypass the system of sitting down and being educated. You yes. truly want to be converted. That's so you will be inspired by messages, but it's the people who knuckled down and took the classes and went back through your teachings and trainings that were converted mm-hmm. into becoming what Jesus Christ needs you to be. Yes. That is so good. Thank you for sharing that. And those of you who are part of our school right now or who have taken classes, why don't you post your experience? I need some oh, yeah. testimonies yeah. going up. You can post some them on Facebook, and <laughs> some of your performances can do it on YouTube. And then you can also go to the Price University site and say, you know what? As a student of Price University, I want to share my testimony. We want living words and, and what, you know, what touched you the most. 
What helped you? Where you got a breakthrough? What what surprised you? You know, we often hear how you all are surprised that this is real school. I don't know what, what real school, but hallelujah. I just had this conversation with somebody on an advisement this week. Mm-hmm. They said, no, no, no. I looked at Dr. Price's program. This is for real. This is real school. Real school. So I have to get my act together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what I love about the self-study is you can sign up yeah. four and weeks and, and get in it. And the self-study is a good way for you to decide when you're ready to matriculate into yeah. a degree program. We have those. We have degree programs. We have specialist programs. You will love it. And, and I, I know it's hard to believe it. Um, I, every day I live my life stunned that God made me this person. My, um, the, the, what he's done, the diversity of information. You know, people hear me talk about apostles and prophets so much, you don't realize that I have a biblical psychology program designed by the Holy Ghost, that I've also designed a standardized ministry assessment for placing people in ministry or out of ministry. Glory to God. We have some that we just place out. They just, okay? You don't realize that. Some, you don't even know that I'm an inventor because I have that. I have a, a, a business for um, high-level uh, leaders and executives, Omni Executive Services, where I offer spiritual advocacy for people who are facing off with the supernatural and all of those things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have a whole other business um, that goes on. We've got PPM Global Resources that we uh, work with. And then there's the Near Collaborative, which is my ecclesial embassy. So, yeah, I do this, but I want to, I'm going to end on this reality that the entire AD world was founded and transformed by apostles. Now, God, the prophets go all the way back to Abel and creation. But apostles gave us the world we have today. Thank God for the uh, uh, Peter and James and John and the other nine apostles. Thank God for the Pauls and the Timothys and all of those people because they reset this world for Jesus Christ. And they took it from largely polytheism to monotheism, and they put a hedge between him and the pantheons of the ancient world. So, yeah, I am about this. See, sometimes if you know the whole truth about something, you can relate to it and be impressed. Hey, we're wrapping it up, so guess what we're going to do? Invite you to join me. I am Prophet Adia. I heard she's been tearing it up, guys, you know? Or tearing it up. Okay, join us. She's Sunday school on Sunday sermon. Join us on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock a.m. Sunday school is Sunday school is at 8 o'clock a.m. Central. All right, 8 o'clock Central, 10 o'clock Congregation of the Mighty for Scripturally Organic, Culturally Unmodified Christianity. And while we're at it, don't miss, because some of you might have, but don't miss Prophet Ashley's Midnight Hour yeah. Prayer. Hey, we've got a lot going on because we're busy in the Lord. So come get busy with us. In Jesus' name, have a great weekend. God bless you.